You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Good morning, everybody. That's pretty good for Labor Day. All right, shake it out a little bit. For real, like shake it out a little bit. Come on. All right, good morning, everybody. Ooh, you're my new favorites. All right. Hey, this uh, video that we just watched is for this conference coming up here soon for the ladies in our church, but not just in our church, anybody in our community that is a gal that is um, interested in learning how to like stay the course and stay on track in their relationship with Christ. And so uh, it's going to be held over at the Moscow campus. There's going to be a lot of ladies going. So I would encourage every one of our gals here that's part of our campus to Go and attend the conference if you're able to, but not only go, go and uh, bring some gals with you, like bring a friend with you, bring a couple friends with you, especially be prayerful about ladies that are maybe struggling to endure and like kind of stay the course in their faith. This would be a super like boost for them spiritually to go and hear the message that's going to be at this conference. So, um, and then a lot of the gals in our church are involved in it in a variety of ways, including uh, my lovely wifey is going to be speaking there. So if you want a chance to hear her uh, sharing some cool stuff, that'll be another reason to go. All right. That's my shameless husband plug. I have to live with her. Um, All right. On your chairs also, you guys saw those uh, connection cards. And so if you're a uh, regular with us, uh, would you please just put your name on uh, whoever's here in your family uh, or with you on that connection card. And then if you're new, we just love for you to first time to fill out all the info on there because it helps us tell you what's going on in our church and keep you in the loop and all that stuff. And then the back, there's a spot for prayer requests and we pray for those every week. So you've got plenty of time to fill them out. There's going to be buckets that get passed out towards the end of service and uh, we'll collect those at that time. Then uh, tithe and offering, you can do the push pay app online. You can do the buckets when they come by, or you can do the boxes in the back, uh, a variety of ways to pay that makes it simple for whatever works for you. If you're technology impaired like me, holding something and dropping it in a bucket works great. That's my skill set. All right. Last thing we need to know about is the 101 class is coming up this month in September. And uh, that class is where you would uh, join our church, like sign on and be a part of our team here at Real Life on the Palouse. It's going to be held this month at the Pullman campus right here. Um, and we need to know who's going to it because we feed you lunch and we do child care and all that stuff. But if you want to call this place home and if you want to plug in and be a part of our church here on the Palouse, we would love for you to come and check out that class. And uh, it's a two-part class. There's two weeks in a row. It's really cool. It's really interactive. It's not a sit and listen to someone lecture at you. It's a lot of dialogue back and forth. You get to ask questions and, and uh, work through things that, as they come up. And so it helps you understand who we are as a church, where do we stand on different issues, what do we agree to agree on, what do we agree to disagree on, and it, and it helps you understand if this feels like a team you want to be a part of. Sound good? One person was excited about that. That was my worst one-on-one pitch ever. All right, if you guys don't go, I'll probably get fired, so whatever. (laughs) Sorry, it's Labor Day weekend. I'm feeling a little spunky, you know, whatever. I got a little extra vitamin D. I'm refreshed. I had a lot of fun already, and I still have another day off. 
Like, how good is that? How many people are actually off tomorrow? No work, right? Nice. Can, does anybody have to work tomorrow? Everybody go, oh. Here, we felt sorry for you. Now, all right. Hey, we've been in this series where we're going through the Sermon on the Mount. And in this series, we've been going through all these great teachings that Jesus was uh, instructing his disciples in. And last week, we got into a really important one. We talked a lot about prayer and forgiveness. And specifically, when it came to prayer, Jesus talked to his guys, and he gave them really two ways not to pray, was a lot of what we talked about. He told them not to pray uh, out loud uh, for the benefit of others hearing. Like, don't, don't be out praying on the street corners. Don't have those soapbox prayers where it's sort of a prayer, sort of a sermon, and it's more about other people hearing you than you talking to God. He's like, yeah, don't do that. He says, because when you do that, you've already received your reward. Like, when you pray so that other people will hear you, when they hear you, mission accomplished. Like, there's nothing else in it. And so he warned them about that. He also warned them about praying like the pagans or the Gentiles. He says, don't go on babbling on with these repetitive phrases where you just say the same thing over and over and over again. We talked about where that came from. We also talked about forgiveness. We talked about how Jesus introduced this new idea to his guys that was uh, attached to this prayer that they were familiar with called the Amidah prayer that we talked about last week. And this new thing that he added on to it that was sort of a shocking statement for them was that their willingness to forgive people who sin against them was connected to God's willingness to forgive them when they sin against God. And we talked about that and broke it down in, in detail for everybody last week. So uh, it's a really, really, really important message. And so if you missed it, jump on to liferotp.com and go to the Pullman Sermons and listen to it. Because for us as Christians, we need to be frequently thinking about forgiveness. If as a Christian a person who trusts and follows Jesus, like if that's who you are and you can't think of the last time you've really thought about forgiveness, that should be like a major warning. You know, like on your car, that check engine light that goes off and you ignore it. You know there's probably something wrong with your car, but you're hoping that not really. Like that's sort of your check engine light as a Christian. If you can't think of the last time you thought about forgiveness, that should be sort of a gut check. Like, ooh, it should be something that we're really good at and it comes to us quickly. So again, if you missed it, jump on and listen to it. Or if it's one that's still sticking with you, listen to it again, all right? This morning, we're gonna get into a couple more really important things. We're gonna dig into this next section of teaching that Jesus is walking through with his disciples. It's something that was really relevant for them then. It's something that's still really relevant for us today. How many people in here can say that you're a person that is a worrier or maybe you worry too much about things? Maybe you think you do. Pretty good. Who's, as fast as you can, we'll see who the biggest worrier is. On your mark, set, who's a worrier? Well, somebody was already up, so the winner. All right. How many of you don't really struggle with overthinking things and worrying about stuff? That's not your deal. Does anybody fall in that category? Few people, okay. Here's the thing. If you struggle with worry and anxiety, 
and you overthink things from a place of worry, then the message this morning is really important that you wrestle with. Not just what you hear this morning, but that you walk it out and learn to really chew on it this, this uh, coming week and it becomes a part of your walk as a Christian to understand what we're gonna talk about this morning. If you're not a person that really struggles with worry, like that doesn't, you, you're not really consumed by it, it's not something that's a real struggle for you personally, then what you need to know is that for those of us in this room that follow Christ, we're called to make disciples. And as we're called to make disciples, part of our job is to walk with people that we know to help them become more mature and more like Christ. Like that's our role, is to help people become more like Christ as disciple makers. This lesson that you're gonna hear this morning is a thing that you need in your toolbox as a disciple maker. You are going to know people that struggle with worry. And to have this teaching in your back pocket as a disciple maker is gonna help you walk out your calling to help people mature in their walk with God. You following me? Okay. Let's dig into it this morning. It starts in uh, Matthew chapter six. Here's how it goes. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is breaking down three different principles in here, three different points to help illustrate the same underlying issue, okay? There's three statements that he made in that passage that we just read that are three separate things, but they all help us unpack the same thing. Let's take a look at them. All three of those were, your treasure, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, and you can't serve both God, and it said money. A better translation of that word is, that makes sense in our culture, is materialism or possession. So you can't serve God and Materialism is what he's trying to say. So let's unpack those a little bit. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's not saying that it's wrong to have a savings account. It's not, it's not about whether or not it's okay to have wealth or an extra car or savings or a 401k. It's, it's, it has nothing to do with whether or not it's okay or not. The issue at hand is where you put your trust and your hope. When we put our hope in money and wealth, it's fleeting. We need to put our hope in God as the issue at hand. And he's trying to get to this root issue of like, don't get so consumed with being the person that has the most stuff, right? Back uh, in my day, long before many of you, uh, there were things called bumper stickers and they were cool then. They're not cool anymore. But uh, they would have these bumper stickers. Now they're called memes, I don't even know what a meme is, but my kids said that they're popular, right? They're memes. And you see this thing, it goes like this. He who dies with the most toys wins. You guys have seen that? This idea of like, whoever has the most stuff 
is the most successful. Whoever has the most toys is the most successful. You following me? Jesus is trying to call this out. He's going, it's not like that. It's not about acquiring the most stuff. It's not about putting all of your hope and faith and in, in, in your happiness and your future into stuff. He says, instead, we need to store up treasure in heaven. Now, here's the thing. If you've been in church a while, you've heard a statement like this, store up treasure in heaven. And it's one of those things that sounds like a nice Christian thing to say. And then when you actually think about how do you do it, it sounds really abstract. Like, how do I actually go to the heaven bank and make a deposit? Like, how do I store up treasure in heaven? Like, and know that it's actually happening. Like, how do you actually do that? Paul was addressing this very same thing with Timothy. He was teaching Timothy, and he was giving Timothy instructions so that Timothy could teach the Christ followers around him. And Paul was breaking down for him exactly what it looks like to store up treasure in heaven. Check it out. In 1 Timothy 6, he says this. He says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides for us everything for our enjoyment, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Think about those things that he said. In order for us to lay up treasure in heaven... You need to be a person that has good deeds, that does good. He uses this phrase, which is a really cool phrase, to be rich in good deeds. To be rich in good deeds. To be a person who is generous. To be people who are willing to share. When we're known by those things, we're known in Jesus' economy, in the kingdom, as people who are storing up treasure in heaven. So he's like, don't worry about having, putting all of your hope in wealth, which is fleeting. He says, instead, store up treasure in heaven, and the way to do that is by being rich in good deeds, by being generous, being willing to share. Let's take a look at the next one. The eye is the lamp of the body. Kind of a weird thing to say, right? The eye is the lamp of the body. In ancient Jewish culture, they were concerned with the eye. I'll explain, help this make sense. In our culture, we say, oh, I know that guy, he has a good heart. Or I know that lady or that gal, she's got a really good heart. When we say that, what we mean usually is something like that person is really nice and compassionate and loving and caring, like they have a good heart. In ancient Jewish culture, they were concerned with the eye because they recognized that what you look at, what you focus on, what you put your undivided attention on over and over and over tends to set the tone for the desires of your heart. What you look at sets the tone for the desires of your heart. The more and more you look at something, the more and more you find that it starts to shape where you see your treasure, right? 
I know over the years in our family, we've wrestled with this. Sometimes we've got it really right. Sometimes we've got it really wrong. We've wrestled with like, what do we focus on all the time? What do we show our kids that we focus on all the time? Sometimes we're, we're in the right department. Sometimes we're way off. I look back and I can think of times where we did like real minimalistic Christmases and holidays and birthday celebrations that were very God honoring, that were not about a whole bunch of stuff, but that were about really honoring the Lord and helping our kids understand that that it wasn't about stuff. And then I can think of lots of times where it looked like Toys R Us blew up in our living room and we like way overdid it and we showed them all this wrong picture of like what's important. And we bounced back and forth and tried to fight that battle of like helping our kids and our family be focused on the right things. Um, One time years ago, uh, I remember a, a time where we were feeling like we were struggling with this as a family. Like we were our eyes were too much on the wrong things and we were starting to care too much about the wrong stuff. And so my wife and I had this great idea. Uh, it was probably all her idea and I went along with it. Uh, we had this great idea that we were going to buy all seven or 10 or whatever seasons of Little House on the Prairie, the DVDs. So we bought all the DVDs to Little House on the Prairie. And for a while, we just watched Little House on the Prairie. Like that was the only TV we watched. We made our kids watch it with us. They were like, right? Um, Wasn't their most favorite thing they ever watched, but they watched it with us. And what it helped us do is it helped us watch examples of people telling a story of people that lived a minimalistic lifestyle that didn't have a bunch of stuff, that focused a lot on relationship, that focused a lot on generosity, that talked a lot about stories of giving to other people in need, being willing to share. It showed us examples of people who lived in a little community that was full of people that were rich in good deeds. And it helped us see living examples of people who were storing up treasure in heaven. And as we focused on that, the desires of our hearts start to change and we start to focus on similar things. That was just one practical way that we were trying to figure out how to help our family wrestle through that tension. Let's look at the last one. It says you can't serve both God and materialism or possessions, right? This whole idea of serving two masters was something that would have made complete sense to the disciples, these young Jewish guys. They would have understood that when Jesus is saying you can't serve two masters, the first thing that comes to their mind is, yeah, duh, nobody would sit under two rabbis. No one would choose two rabbis because that makes no sense at all. You would love one and hate the other or really want to be with one, prefer one, and avoid the other. Like, it doesn't make any sense. You would only sit under one rabbi. So he's taken something that makes perfect sense to him, but then he's applying a different thing to it. It's not about rabbis. He's saying it's about God and materialism. And again, he's not saying that it's about not saving money or not having any wealth or whether or not you have money or don't have money. It's about you can't serve both. When, when one becomes what is of utmost importance to you, it's the driving force in your life. It's what you live for and care about. It's what you think about. It's what you put your eyes on. It's what captures the desires of your heart you can only do that for one. You can't be all in for God and all in for whatever you want to get out of this life for yourself with money and materialism. 
they're just going to be at odds with each other, he says. The writer of Hebrews gave this warning. Let's take a look at it. He says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. So he's wrapping up this section. He's talking about where your treasure is, what you look at, this idea of are you all in for God or are you all in for materialism? He's taken all these concepts and he's about to say that all of them are all rooted in this next part of this passage. So everything that he was talking about was a setup for what he's about to talk to the disciples about next. Here's how it goes. It says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow worries about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Paul is explaining, excuse me. Paul was explaining. We got that part. What Jesus is trying to help the guys understand is that everything to do with where our treasure is, with what we put our eyes on, with whether or not our, our lives serve God or it's all about getting what we can want. It's all rooted in this idea that when we worry and stress and are full of anxiety, it's at odds with what God's calling us to do. And practically it looks like putting our priorities wrong when it comes to building the kingdom, when it comes to building wealth or our treasure or what we watch and what we care about. Probably a lot of people have heard this uh, saying. It's, there's a saying that says, uh, worry is practical atheism. All it means is that if you're a person that worries, what you're doing, not on purpose, but this is what's happening. And when you worry, you're practically saying that you don't trust that there is really a God who really does know what you need and can provide for you. That, that you, your, your faith has shrunk so much that it's more important for you to worry about and have anxiety about what you need and what God can provide than to actually live over here in, in the land of faith and trust that there is really a God that really does know what you need and really can provide for your needs, even the simplest of things. There's a quote by uh, Corey Tinboom: if you struggle with worry, this would be a no-brainer to stick on your fridge or on your mirror. Let's look at that. Worry is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength, carrying two days at once. 
It's moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strength. That idea of moving into tomorrow ahead of time, like we're, 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 we're putting our stress and our worry and our anxiety on things that are beyond our control. Like Jesus told his disciples, you can't even change an hour of your day or a hair on your head. Like worrying is of no value is what he's trying to say to them. But then for a lot of people, you're like, okay, well, I've heard this teaching before. I've read it before. I understand what he's saying, but easier said than done. How do you just not worry? Like, and then there's other people that are on the responsible side of the life. And they're like, how do, are you saying that I'm supposed to just not care about anything? Like, that sounds sort of like I'm supposed to just like throw my hands up and be like, whatever. I'll just turn wherever I feel like turning while I'm driving my car and eat whatever. And just like, I'm just not going to worry or care about anything. And that's not what he's saying. What we need to understand is there is a big difference between worry and being a responsible person who is concerned or cares about things that are coming up in your life. Worry is rooted in fear. Worry is rooted in fear. Concern is rooted in empathy and faith. Worry comes from the land of all the what ifs, right? When you're driven by all the hypotheticals, this, this future that hasn't happened yet, but you think you know what might happen, and so you start to freak out already about what hasn't happened yet. All the what ifs. Concern, on the other hand, is rooted in empathy like a caring heart that loves and cares for people and for yourself, but faith in God that he can provide and take care of you and meet your needs. Let me give you an example to help us sort of make a little bit more sense. Um, I'll give you a story that makes sense to us in this community because we're used to parents coming to town, dropping kids off for the first time ever going to college. And that's a hard thing to do if you're a parent. Now, we're going we're gonna to take two hypothetical families. One is kind of the worry family. One is sort of the concern family. The worrying family brings their young daughter to WSU, takes her to her dorm, gets her all packed in. It's a long set of goodbyes. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of stress and fear. And, and it takes forever to say goodbye. And when they finally say goodbye, they're in the car and they're not five feet out of town and they're already just filled with fear. All the what ifs start flooding in. What if... She doesn't get to class on time. What if she gets hooked up with the wrong people right out of the gate? What if she doesn't study? What if she drinks? What if she is with a guy that she's not supposed to be with? What if she isn't in her dorm when she's supposed to be in her dorm or she isn't in her class? On and on they go. And so out of that worry and fear, they start to act. And when you act out of worry and fear, it's not a good place to start. And what it looks like in this story is they start texting her 10 times a day, 20 times a day, 50 times a day. They want to FaceTime at a certain time every day to know where she's at and when she's at and if she's in her room or if she made it to her class. And they want to know if there's, like, do they have the attendance thing where I can see what class you were in like they did when you were in high school? Right? And for the young lady in this story, she starts to feel controlled and overwhelmed and she starts to pull away and retreat from the parents and to not reply to the text and to not respond to the FaceTimes. And it just perpetuates their fear that something bad could happen. And around and around they go. It sounds exhausting. Like, oh, I would not want to be in that family. 
any part of that family. It would just be like, ring you out, right? On the flip side, a concerned family with a daughter in the same scenario has talked through things ahead of time with their daughter. They've helped her prepare years in advance for what it's gonna look like to be on her own and make wise choices and to make good decisions. They understand that she loves a God that has her best interest in heart. They trust and have faith in God to protect her even when they're not there. They have conversations about what would you do in case of emergency or guys, they've been having those conversations for years. She's ready for those types of environments. They go away and as they give, say goodbye, they're sad, yeah. And they're concerned. There's things that they care about, but they at the same time are content that they know that they've done their best to prepare her. And, then, and their concern isn't rooted in fear. Their concern is just strictly empathy, like a loving family that cares about their kid. It doesn't control the way that they live. Ultimately, what we've got to understand as we're going through this is that we need to make sure that we end in the place that Jesus ended this teaching with his guys. As he went through this teaching, he talked about all this stuff about where your treasure is, what you look at, what, what master do you serve, God or money. He talks about the, the struggle of worry and how you can't add a single thing to yourself. He reminds them that you have a God in heaven who loves you as much and more than the sparrows of the air or the lilies of the field. Like he will take care of you. And in the end, he wraps it up for him and he says, Bottom line, guys, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all this other stuff will be taken care of. He's like, if I could sum it up for you, be about seeking his kingdom and his righteousness and all, this other th all these other things will be taken care of. That's where we need to let that sink in and really resonate with us so that as you have those times where all of us do, where you start to feel that kind of burden of worry, then you know, like, eh, this is not concerned. This is me freaking out about what could happen. The what if bills are coming. When that starts to happen, we need to start, that needs to be like the little dash light going off that gives us a pause to go, wait a minute. I need to pray about this. I need to check on this. What's going on here? How am I doing seeking the kingdom? How am I doing seeking his righteousness, being right with God? How is my life looking right now? Am I being rich in good deeds in this season? Am I being a person that's willing to share? Am I being generous? Am I storing up treasure in heaven, seeking his kingdom first? Or am I way off track and all I've been thinking about is stuff that's been freaking me out. That's what Jesus was teaching his guys then and that's what he wants us to remember this morning. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All the rest of this stuff will be taken care of. That's gonna bring us this morning to our time of communion together and so we're gonna have ushers that are going to pass those buckets. And uh, as they do that, if you would just drop those connection cards in when they come by. And then right after that, we're going to pass out the communion trays. And when we do communion here at Real Life, we have what we call an open table. And that just means that 
anybody that wants to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus with us is welcome to take communion with us. So uh, when those elements come by, if you would just hang on to the bread and the juice, and then we'll take communion together in a couple of minutes, that would be great. While that stuff is being passed out, let's take a look at some implications. These are like uh, things for you to chew on this week. Home groups are, uh, some are getting going, but our actual home group official kickoff is in a few weeks. And so for those of you that have groups that are getting back together, or maybe you're in a me and three or something, and you're looking for stuff to talk about because the, the home group curriculum isn't out yet, and we're not, like it's not officially kicked off, these implications are great for you to talk about in those groups or with your friends. So first one, worry is rooted in fear, Concern is rooted in empathy and faith. Worry is rooted in fear. Concern is rooted in empathy and faith. As you think and pray through and talk to God about your, your concerns, the stuff that gives you anxiety or worry, like bring that to the Lord and ask him to help you discern. Is this coming from a place of fear or is this coming from a place where you're actually loving and caring about yourself or other people? Help God, ask God to help you discern where that's coming from. Let's look at the next one. Generosity, good deeds, and a willingness to share are the markers of a Christian who is storing up treasures in heaven. If people that know you pretty well were to describe some of your character qualities, some of the traits about you, as a Christian, are these things that would hit their list? Would they go, oh yeah, she's super generous. You ought to see like I, she gave this and she's always paying this and she took care of that. Would, would they say he's really willing to share? Like I, he, he's on a shoestring budget, but he gives his car out to anybody that needs it. Like are, they, are these characteristics that people would use to describe you as a Christian? Let's look at the last one. Do you trust that if you seek the kingdom first and be right with God, that everything you need will be given to you? That's a really important one to wrestle with because that's where Jesus wrapped up his talk about this stuff with his guys. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all the other stuff will be taken care of. This is a rubber meets the road kind of question for each of us personally as Christians, like to be able to ask ourselves and our personal devotion time, our quiet time with God, like, do I honestly believe that if I seek God first and like care about his kingdom and being right with him, do I actually believe that if I do that, all the rest of the stuff's going to be taken care of, that I have a father in heaven who has my back? Do I really trust that? That's great stuff to take to the Lord and to work through and pray through and talk through with him. This morning as we wrap up, we're going to do what we get to do every Sunday when we get together. We get to remember what Christ did for us on the cross. We get to remember that we have an opportunity to be a part of his kingdom, to help other people come and know about his kingdom because of what he did for us. We remember that on the last night that he was betrayed, he got together with his guys in the upper room and he took the bread and he broke it and he told them that this was his body. And as often as we get together, let's do it in remembrance of him. In the same way, he took the cup and he told them that the cup represented a new covenant 
It represented his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins. As often as we get together, let's drink this and remember Sam. In just a minute, there's going to be people that are going to go off to the sides that are going to be available to pray with you. If you want to pray with somebody, talk through with somebody, ask for help or encouragement about um, dealing with some worry or anxiety that you're battling with, excuse me, uh, please go and pray with them. But we're also going to close with some worship together. So would you um, go ahead and stand and let's uh, close with worship. And if you need to pray, go and pray. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, visit us on Facebook and Twitter and visit our website, liferotp.com. 